think from now on, at least 24 hours every week, I'm going to go without having my phone turned on. It's going to be turned off for 24 hours a week. That, that seems like a, yeah, it feels nice. The thought of doing that comforts me, even though I haven't even done it yet. Just the thought of having my phone turned off for an extended period of time makes me feel good. That's strange, right? I've been trying to track where all of my stress originates from. And a big portion of it comes from something happening on my phone. Like, if this was three years ago, I would probably be stressing over the amount of likes on Instagram that I'm not getting. That doesn't really bother me so much anymore. Maybe a, to an extent. I'm not going to lie. I bet it... I think it does bother me a little bit. It definitely does, right? If I'm saying it. Yeah. Things can bother you without you even really noticing. But, yeah, a lot of stress, just not even specifically from apps, but the act of me always checking my phone. On my days off, sometimes I'm on my phone for over four hours. And it's fucking weird. Because I try to backtrack and ask myself, what the hell was I doing? Because I have a limit now on Twitter and Instagram where I can only be on for 30 minutes a day. And my phone will tell me, hey, time's up. Can't be on it anymore. And I can usually, usually on Twitter, that's I can handle that. Sometimes on Instagram... I'll like overwrite it and like, nope, give me 15 more minutes, okay? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I just ate something. Had a big meal today, like 30 minutes ago. So I'm belching a little bit. But where was I going with this? Yeah, I'll be on my phone for like four hours plus a day. And I'm like, I don't know where. What was I, what app was I on? Where was this coming from? And I guess on YouTube, for me, it's easy to get like sucked in some rabbit hole. It's very easy for me to get lost on YouTube. But Instagram, nah. I I like pictures, sure. But I'm not going to spend four hours on Instagram a day. So... I wonder how much of it is just me. It's just like those little those little moments of checking your phone and they just add up. That's crazy. If that really amounts to four hours a day. So, yeah, the thought of turning my phone off one day a week, at least one day a week, makes me feel good. So I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to try that out. I want to be bored. I want more opportunities to be just bored. You know? 
That's a weird thing to say. But like, not, like not you're bored, so you're just on your phone all day, or you're bored, so you're eating, or like bored, but you're you're intentionally bored. You're not trying to fill. You're not trying to fill the void of boredom. You're just trying to be bored. The art of doing absolutely nothing. Where you're not on your phone. You're not watching TV. Just kind of like lock your door and just be alone in your head. That kind of bored. What what would kids used to do before like 2003? What were they doing? Were they just going out and hanging out with friends on their bikes? I was listening to a George Carlin special the other day. He was talking about like when's the last time you seen a kid play with a stick? You know, just a kid out in the yard with a fucking stick. <laughs> but Boredom really is a lost art when you think about it. And how much of our creativity are we stunting because we don't know how to be bored anymore? We always have to have some sort of stimulant. It, I don't, I've noticed for me, so when I go hiking now, I I take my phone with me, but it's in airplane mode the whole time. I'll take photos or whatever, but it's not on. I don't want to be texting. I don't want to be checking email or Twitter or anything like that. Jesus Christ, I'm trying to burp. But whenever my brain knows that oh, okay, our phone is basically off, so we don't have to be, we don't have to have any lingering thoughts of any notifications to check or texts or texts to check. We just, we can just be in our heads and just enjoy the trees, enjoy the birds chirping, and enjoy any thoughts that may or may not occur. You know, just allowing thoughts to flow in and out not fighting them, not trying to change them, just allowing your thoughts to flow freely. And honestly, when I, when I allow that, I have some of the best ideas. I'm usually hiking. You know, it's... I bet if I actually sat down and really did nothing, how I described earlier, I could probably some pretty solid thoughts in but most of my best thoughts occur when I'm hiking but I can't I can't have the phone on I can't be checking my phone every two minutes because it it disrupts the flow of thought and that's what I'm trying to have less of because I'll I'll do self-talk I do it pretty regularly. Not so much now since I'm doing this 30-day podcast challenge. So honestly, what I'm doing right now is sort of my self-talk in a lot of ways. 
but I can't have my phone near me when I'm doing self-talk because I could be in the middle of some profound thought or some modification of a previous thought. And then I'll get a text and I'll check it. And then I'll find myself on my phone for five or 10 minutes. And if I don't completely forget the thought I just had, it, it no longer flows freely. I can't build on it anymore because I fucking disrupted my thought process. So I'm trying to have less of those disruptions. So, yes, probably like every Thursday, my phone's just going to be completely off. That's the day after... I'm done working for the week, so... Yeah, it, Thursday's a good day for me. But I think we should all do this, right? Just one day. Honestly, oh, there's a lot in my life I'm trying to get done that requires focus. And a lot of my distractions come from my phone and I do not have the discipline to control my my phone habits I'm a monkey man I'm a monkey with a phone Ugh. so but one of these <laughs> it's actually kind of ironic so I have this great idea for an app that I'm currently trying to get good enough at coding to build the app, but it revolves around our phone usage and how to kind of better control it. I'm not going to go in depth because I think it's a very niche idea and I don't see any apps doing the thing that I am trying to do. So I'm not going to go too far into it. But it's kind of ironic because I am on my phone and it's making it harder to actually learn deeper about this app I'm trying to make, which is to stay off your phone more. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh... Jesus Christ, I just lost my flow. I didn't, my phone's not near me, I promise. Sometimes I just have brain farts. It happens. I smoked weed too long. But, yeah. The Lost Art of Boredom. That's going to be the title of this episode. I just know it. Ooh. Why did I say it like it's a prediction? Like, I just know it. That's, I just, I, I call in it right now. That's, that's what it's going to be. I'm like, no, that, that's what it's going to be. It's my choice. But, yeah. Jesus Christ. I, I'm so sorry, whoever's listening. But I, my brain just hurts all of a sudden. I, I just spent the last hour coding and usually my brain is a little fried after that. And I'm already a little tired because I was at work for 10 to 12 hours. Ugh. And I ate 
I ate a big old. Oh, I had a whole pizza, okay? Not only did I have a whole pizza, I had a big plate of rice. It's a weird combination, I know, but yes, that's that's what I ate. <laughs> I bought a whole Big Daddy's pizza, and I ate the whole goddamn thing. And I had some leftover rice that was big enough to fill an entire plate. And not just the entire plate, but like it's mounted, you know, it it, it goes upward. I ate the whole goddamn thing. Whew. I have weird meals like this now since I started fasting. I'll go like 20 hours a day without eating, and then I'll eat in a four-hour time period. And so usually it's it's filled with grease and protein and just everything in one. But yes, boredom is essential to true creativity is the point of this podcast. We don't know how to be bored anymore. And it sucks. Used to, boredom was so common that we would try to not be bored, but it's so uncommon now. Or it's, it's we, ha- we have a new version of boredom where... Where we're still stimulated by phones and pretty much phones, smartphones. I mean, used to we would watch TV and be bored, and that wouldn't really be enough. But there's so much content on our phones where we can be barely satisfied to not really do anything else. That's, ooh, man. Uh, Naval Ravikant says that... The modern devil is cheap dopamine. And that is totally true. But it's a weird thing where what you're doing on your phone isn't necessarily exciting. But it's it's something, you know? It's just barely stimulating. Just enough to keep you on it. That is whack. It's not even fun. It's not exciting when you're just mindlessly scrolling through Facebook. But you're, but you're still getting new content every couple seconds. And it keeps you on. You refresh the page. New content. There's something. Something your eyes have not seen yet. That you can dive into. Sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes it's informative. Most of the times, that's not the case. But we don't care. I would, man, I, it's amazing how many hours I spend on my phone sometimes. If you spend two hours a day on your phone, which that's probably an understatement of how long people really do spend time on their phones. But let's just say you're spending two hours a day on your phone. What is that, like 600 hours a year? I'm not a math person. I don't have my phone next to me. If I did, I would pull out the calculator. But I'm pretty sure that's 600 plus hours, right? Motherfucker. Even if that's just... Man, I don't, I don't know how many hours that is. 
Someone do the math if you're listening. But whatever it is, I we can guarantee it's a fuck ton of hours. And just thinking like, what the hell could I have done for 600 hours this year that would have improved my life immensely? And there is things on your phone that you can use constructively. Like not, not scrolling through Facebook, not scrolling through Twitter, going down YouTube rabbit holes. I mean, some are good, but you know, you can literally learn anything on your phone. That's the other thing about it. We're not getting rid of our phones anytime soon. Smartphones are here to stay. And it's just going to get more and more... We're going to become more ingrained with the phone, with technology. The, like... Like in... What's that one country? Ah, I don't know. It's a poor country. But they they were in this... There was, it was a big issue with this place because... There's this whole propaganda thing happening on Facebook that got a lot of people murdered at this in this country. But basically, they don't have internet, but they all got these phones that were came pre-installed with Facebook. So like Facebook was synonymous with the internet in this place. But that's kind of what it's becoming, right? This virtual world where the internet is now just this place that we all go to. We all congregate. Congregate. But, yeah, it's just going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing and growing. So the best method for people who feel like they're on their phone too much, honestly, just either get rid of all of it or just learn how to manage it or... Or just, you can use it the same amount of hours, just more productively or something. I don't, this is a new problem. And it sucks that we have to go through it. I'm curious to see what today's six-year-olds, I'm curious to see how they're going to be in their 20s. I wonder if they will manage smartphones way better than us or they'll be completely dog shit thinkers I think they'll honestly I, I'm pretty optimistic about future generations in, in terms of handling the internet because the worst people I know at being on their phones all the time is baby boomers they are the worst ones they get distracted the absolute most. So, and these, you know, these are people who, for most of their lives, had nothing like this until eight years ago. I feel like 2012, that was the year everyone was on the internet. That was, yeah, 2012. I feel like that was the time. Everyone made the switch. You know, 2008 to 2011 was like the transition period from shitty flip phones. At the time, they were badass. 
but that that was the 2008 to 2011 was the time when old people were making this argument like all I need my phone for is to make a phone call and occasionally shoot a text and a couple years later that was all out the window now they're on their phone just like everyone else and worse some oh my god I'm not going to name names but you, I can't hold a conversation sometimes with some of these baby boomers. I'll ask them. We'll be in the middle of a conversation. Right in the middle. And their phone vibrates. They check it. And I'm still talking. And they're like, hmm? What? And suddenly they're this weird zombie that doesn't know how to say words. Oh. <sighs> So, maybe there is hope. Maybe it's only shitty for us. The people who were, like, by the time we got this technology, we were already pretty much developed cognitively. Not, not completely. They say you don't, your brain isn't really fully formed until the time you're about 25. That's when your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. More or less three years, but generally when you're 25. So, I mean, my generation, we, I, I, got my, I got my first iPhone when I was, I'm going to say 16, 15 or 16. But that's still an old enough age to really, to, to, to understand what's happening, <laughs> I guess. You know, you're still kind of a baby when you're 16, but it's old enough. If you can drive, you know, if you can almost murder somebody, like, by going to war, you know, two years later, then you're cognitively aware enough of how, like, phones work and shit. So... The worst, the, like, the, the more cognitively developed, I guess, people were, the worse they were with their phones. It was the old people. And my generation, we're pretty bad, for sure. I'm bad, absolutely. But looking at some of the older people handling the phones, oh my God, I look like a genius. Not only do they get distracted so easily, but they, oh my God, they... They don't even know how Google works or how to look up f like factual information. They'll see a little piece, they'll see a little grammatically incorrect political meme on Facebook and just share it. They'll like a it was like a like a muscle twitch like they'll read it 2 seconds later they're sharing it and it's amazing. Cuz it's almost always bullshit the information they're sharing. And even if they were right, it's not because they're smart. <laughs> it's not because they know what they're talking about. They just happen to be right. They still just impulsively shared a piece of information that may or may not be true. But so, yeah, even if you happen to be right about some political meme, it doesn't make you right. It just makes you a 
sharer of any information that comes towards you. Oh, that would annoy the shit out of me when I had a Facebook. Honestly, it's one of the reasons I deleted my Facebook. Because I would find myself fighting these old people. Like, what am I... What? I'm arguing with someone 30 years older than me. And I know for a fact, I'm probably not going to change my mind. They're probably not going to change their mind. What the hell are we doing? This is like an activity. This isn't a debate. This is just me distracting myself. We're just trying to start shit. I've always, I, Facebook made it really easy for me to just start shit. I had to get rid of it. Sometimes I would fucking reel people in. I would say things that I knew were provocative to some people. So I would just say it for the sake of provoking. I was a provocateur. But, yeah, I'm... I'm optimistic about future generations when it comes to handling technology. I don't know about other domains in life, but I look forward to seeing how they handle it. I, it's, it's one of the reasons I want a kid. I want to witness the kid figure things out as, as they grow up. I want to see it develop. I want to see them go through trials and errors. I, want, <laughs> I like thinking of having a kid as a little experiment. If I fuck it up, I'll just get a new one. No problem. Just kidding. But, because I have a nephew that's, he's he seems smart. Like, not in a, like, not that he knows calculus, but from a, just from an intelligence standpoint. You know, like, when you meet a kid, obviously, they don't know much because they haven't learned much, but just their intellect, you know, just the, their demeanor, you can tell that they're going to be smart when they grow up. Oh, sorry. But I see that a lot in kids these days. So I am optimistic. But maybe... Maybe this has always been the case for kids, you know, because maybe they don't they don't really have the insecurities that you develop until like middle school. So maybe that's when <gasps> Jesus fucking Christ. Maybe that's when the downfall begins. Once you start thinking too inward or thinking about how others think of you, you know, that seems to be when all the all the intuition goes out the window. Because it feels like kids are natural psychologists. They're just sponging off of everything. They're absorbing all information. Because they don't know. They don't have any. They need all the data they can collect. So the first several years of life is just being an absolute sponge. They say whatever you teach a kid before they hit puberty, it basically solidifies. It's like a rock inside their head. But you got to teach them it before they hit puberty. Man, if that's true, that really bums me out. Because I was taught nothing when I was a kid. 
I was, man, I had no structure as a kid. And it explains so much about my life right now. But I, oh my goodness, it, it kind of, man, this, that, this is definitely for another episode. Because I have so many stories to tell as a kid. And it just explains so much. But that, that's really interesting if that's true where you can teach a kid three languages before they're five. They'll hate you for it. You know, they'll probably resent you forever. They'll have some issues growing up, but they can speak Mandarin forever, and that's pretty cool. But boredom this is what it comes down to. We must learn how to be bored. Relearn how to be bored. Just... Doing nothing. The art of doing nothing. It sounds wonderful. I love... my The best times in my day is when I can sit down and just talk to myself. Like I said earlier, it, I don't do it as much lately. I mean, this podcast sort of is my version of talking to myself right now. This is a way to get thoughts out. But that is my favorite time of the day. Because I can have some profound thoughts that only affect me. You know, like, I occasionally I'll have an idea that would, I could maybe, like, try to dive deeper into that could maybe make me money. But usually it's about introspection. It's just about trying to understand who I am. And but the more you can understand who you are as a person, the easier it is to function in the outside world. That's for sure. So yes, introspection will lead you to more success. So I think that's that's inevitable. It doesn't you can't really calculate the the degree of success you would have, but you can almost guarantee it's going to be more so than whatever level of success you have now. You know, if you're an uninterspective person with minimal success, you would probably remain to have minimal success. But if you can gain, like, what, 10% introspection, you'll have 5% more success. Obviously, these are bullshit numbers. I, I don't know arithmetic. I don't even know if that's the right kind of math, but introspection is super valuable. And the best way to have the most effective introspection or to attain it more quickly is to know how to be bored. Learn how to be your own best company. And don't let phones disrupt your flow. That's my problem, is dis disrupting my flow. I get so annoyed with myself when it happens because it's totally in my control to not let that happen. But, yeah. Whew, I'm kind of winded right now because I'm still recovering from that meal. I'm, I feel like I'm talking real fast. So this feels like an exercise. But it, it's amazing how 
how distracted some baby boomers can be with their phones. But it, it does give me hope. Because the, the trajectory indicates that maybe future generations aren't going to have these issues. They're going to know exactly how to use their phones, how to utilize it. I've always, I always said, I won't really know this until 20 years from now, but I always said the internet is making smart people smarter, but it's making dumb people dumber. Because smart people are learning how to use the phone that'll help them grow as a person. And dumb people are just going to indulge in in digital junk food. And, you know... That was wonderful. But, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Whether it's good or bad, I'm just excited to see what the world is going to look like in 20 years. I really want to know. At the same time, though... I still, the only way for me to actually be excited in 20 years is to not forget how it is now. You know, it's very hard to to really observe the world in real time because it's it's constantly changing, but like it's so subtle and it's, and it's, and we're, in the process that we don't even notice it changing and that's what concerns me a little bit you know like i need to write down how is the world today how 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 am i seeing it how am i perceiving the world today and what's going on what technology is prevalent things like that and then 20 years from now what's what's changed that's probably the best way to notice actual change within the last 20 years. Um, because, like, things that weren't normal five years ago are pretty commonplace now. I'm trying to think of an example. Mm, like, just the way, like, the evolution of social media, the way people communicate with each other, the way we share information it it changes we we barely notice but if you like if you look back 2 years you won't really notice much change but if you look back 10 years you you can notice a big change just look at the the clothes people wear 10 years ago it was it was slightly different than it is now fashion trends that's a big way to notice cultural change like the way people dress. But even on the internet. Remember, so 10 years ago, 2010, that's when memes were getting popular. Those rage memes. Those memes with the big simple letters. The memes that boomers still use today. But now memes have sort of evolved too. We had those deep fried memes. I love memes, but it's interesting to just see change within the last 10 years because a lot has changed in just 10 years. Facebook has really, it was, Facebook was getting popular 
in the late 2000s, but it really took off. Like, I'm going to say again, like 2012. That seems to be the moment, the year everything started to shift in terms of people transitioning into the digital world where everyone's on it, you know? Like 2008, your your parents didn't have a smartphone. 2012, your grandparents are on Facebook. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Everyone decided to jump on the wagon. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm done. I think I milked my brain dry for the night. But, yeah, this is a good conversation. I'm going to say, what is this, like 30 minutes? GarageBand doesn't really tell me how long my podcasts are. It just tells me what bar I'm on because it thinks I'm making a 30-minute song. But, yeah, this is a good one. I like this. All right. Have a good one, guys. Stay off your phone. Have a good night.